0: See cheese. Okay, so... It's the leaning tower of cheese <laughs> Okay, that's It's, no. it's easy.
1: It's cheesy. I have wanted very little more in my life than to be able to just freely and clearly articulate and speak my mind and say what I'm thinking and feeling without inside my head internalizing, overthinking and stuttering and stammering and placing way too much pressure on any word that comes out of my mouth because I am carrying the burden of thinking about the eternal consequence of everything that I ever say, knowing once it's out there, it can't ever come back. Did I do it right? Did I say the right thing? Did I say it the right way? Am I going to hurt somebody's feelings? Am I going to get in trouble for saying this? And it does make me wonder if I ever stood up for myself and actually said what I thought. How different would I be what what difference would that make on my life and then the world at large? would that have a larger global implication after all
0: um I have so much honey mustard on my phone and yeah. I'm, I've been trying to clean it off.
1: You weren't even paying attention
0: I mean yeah I get like I want you to I want you to be happy
1: sure thanks I love you. <laughs> Okay, so i am Villas Billis5K.
0: And I'm Kay Youngblood.
1: And we're here today to talk to you about the possibility of interdimensional travel and the way that we perceive ourselves and the world around us.
0: It's gonna get a little bit bonkers.
1: We see it all the time in movies, in shows, like Fight Club is one of my favorites, where Edward Norton is constantly, oh, spoilers in this movie that's been out for almost 30 years. Ah. If you haven't seen it yet, catch up. Don't spoil it. Come on, catch up. Don't spoil Uh, it. That internal dialogue is always a very important one, where somebody is constantly wondering if they had a different set of circumstances, how different would their life be? And is it possible to get to that other person Is there another dimension where it is you, but you've made a very different series of choices? Yeah. Is that accessible? We're just going to jump right in. We're jumping right in. Okay, so this story is all over the internet and has been circulating for quite a while. And the details seem to vary depending on which account you're listening to. But overall, this story takes place in the 1950s. This man arrives well-dressed at a Tokyo airport and presents a passport from a country that wasn't recognized by the authorities. The man insisted he's traveled frequently and had even been to Japan in the past. It's stated repeatedly that he was detained and insisted that the country that he was from was established over a thousand years ago in the land between the nations of what we know now to be Spain and France, and it's currently called Andorra. So depending on how elaborate the storyteller is, they may want to draw out a few of these details for the listener. They do change a little bit, and they do try to personalize it a little bit. His accent, his clothes, the postage stamps on the documents he was carrying, they all seemed legitimate and like a very elaborate thing to hoax if it was, in fact, not real. The legend even goes so far as to state that the man was put up in a hotel room that was guarded overnight by the immigration officers. But in the morning, the room was empty, leaving no trace of the mysterious man from Torrid.
0: Oh, yeah, and there's several accounts where it's like, he's missing... There's uh you know, he had a fucking cheese sandwich and took a nap and then we checked the room and he's gone.
1: Not even a cheese sandwich left.
0: No, not even a crumb. That's also what a gingerbread man says right before he finishes having sex. What? I'm gonna crumb. <laughs>
1: Okay, so it's a most peculiar story, but the most peculiar part to me is that there's no further information or additional accounts of anything else happening like it aside from this one story. So the internet hive mind has latched on to this perplexing tale and accepted it on the surface. Nowhere can we find anything more credible than stories say or reports have it. There's even a book called The Man from Torrid, and it is an unimaginative fiction. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of interesting if you're bored and you don't have an imagination of your own. <laughs> <laughs> in that book, it just felt like he took the the whole story and just made it modern. Instead of being Tokyo in the 1950s, mm-hmm. he made it the Chicago Air airport in... 2014. Huh. And then just sort of filled in the details like, oh, what would happen to a person like that if they were uprooted from their own timeline and then dropped into an ultra-modern world? How do you get back to your family?
0: I mean, it's it's interesting. It's like that other uh, story that we heard about the woman who seemingly woke up in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Um, pajamas, slightly different. She works in a different department, has a different boss is all frazzled, goes home for the day, gets home, and it's her ex-boyfriend that she dumped six months ago. Oh, no way. It's like, hey, honey. Oh, my gosh. And then she like even tried to reach out to the boyfriend she was dating currently and he doesn't exist, not listed, like all this oh, wow. crazy shit. Huh? Fun stories, fun fantasies to think
1: about. Sure, yeah. Um, couldn't find anything else more on that except I don't know. My brain wants to imagine things. Like, okay, so the the old boyfriend was just going to extremes and trying to gaslight her. So he like drugged her and did this elaborate thing where. Um, he, he told her, like, no, this is totally the way it has been, but he changed it all. Yeah. But also, what it could be is the new guy was some guy in hiding, and he was like, oh, shit, I got to get rid of her. Uh, what do I do? uh I'm going to drug her. I'm going to bring her old boyfriend back in, and I'm going to peace out and just make it look like I was never real. Because if he's in hiding and he has an alternate identity, boom, easy to get rid of.
0: Boom, done. Yeah. And it's, there. I mean, there's the smaller ones, too. Like, they're not all as elaborate as, you know, the man from Torrid. There was one where um, a man going to work in the morning and the wife saying, okay, I love you, goodbye, like, kisses him off to work, goes upstairs, hears the shower running, opens the bathroom, and her husband's taking a shower, getting ready for work. Hmm. And she's like, what? You, what? what? I, you just walked out of the front door. <laughs> And he's like, "What? No, I didn't. I, yeah, I told you that meeting wasn't until later." And so, mm.
1: the easiest thing to excuse for those sorts of things, though, is often like drug use. Like, did you did you drink too much? Did you drink? Too, are you sleep deprived? Yeah. Is it any one of those things?
0: Okay, so back to this story of the man from Torrid. Um, I've been infatuated with the story for about ten years now, and rehearing it and researching it further has led me down a road of clarity. Everyone that tells this story or has videos on the topic have about the same idea, but none of them match completely. I'm saddened a bit because this has been one story that I go to when discussing the subject of parallel universes. No other story has come close to being as intriguing as this one. The man didn't simply disappear from a hotel room guarded by officers but was found to be traveling the world with a fake passport of a made-up country for years, back in a time when fraud was much, much easier to get away with. He was arrested and sentenced to a year in prison for his crimes of deception. This reminds me of the movie Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, although this cinematic adventure was also heavily embellished for the big screen. The main point is to just look into things that you fanatically want to be real. It's not always the answer you want but it can help you be grounded in our reality.
1: Cuz as we're looking down this rabbit hole and as we're investigating all of these other, you know, rumor has it, legend has, story says. Yeah. That's really all it is. It's Agent all just astronaut
0: dear surmise.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's all just oh cool story, bro. Yeah. Nice. Make a good movie and I'm glad that there are movies out there that make you wonder and ponder what if. So, no one has really ever been able to prove or disprove that alternate dimensions are a thing. It's always continued to be in the realm of possibility. And sure. we don't know what we don't know until we find out things that are new. Yeah. I hope this, is that this, is, this is how information works. This is how information works.
0: Damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> Bart Simpson,
1: 1989.
0: Eat, pant, eat, pant. <laughs>
1: So in the world of possibilities, as we hear about things like interdimensional travel, of course it's a romantic concept, but it has not been proven that it's actually possible. And we just continue to make up more fictional stories about it and just think about the possibilities, but, uh, simultaneously thinking about logical explanations for it, such as, you know, sleep depravity, drug use, alcohol, et cetera. Somebody being in an altered state of mind. Um, Something that actually is credible and substantiated um, are significant studies of behavioral changes following traumatic brain injuries. And TBIs are pretty wild. Often changes occur in things like mood swing, irritability, aggression, that kind of stuff. Sometimes a person's entire accent will change following a traumatic brain injury.
0: Oh, is this like the guy that bumped his head and like learned German? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, accounts have come up here and there of people speaking completely different languages, but that tends to fall more under the urban legend category. Uh, But officially on the record and documented and diagnosed is, it's actually called foreign accent syndrome. Language is linked to the mass of matter on the left side of the brain. So if you tend to get jostled or hit there or something punctures it, Mm. um, that's going to change the way your brain works. And most often it's going to affect your speech as well as a few behavioral things. Uh, the story many of us hear about a person who hit their head on a loading dock and woke up speaking perfect German? Ah. Yep. That actually happened to a Norwegian woman after being hit by shrapnel in World War II. She woke up and recovered only to find her speech had permanently changed to carry a German accent, which was not well received in most of Europe, considering the recent events of the times.
0: Oh, yeah. I just did the same thing that we're trying to get people to avoid. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, this one time, oh, yeah. this one time I heard this story about this one guy. This
0: guy popped his head in like German? <laughs> and then it's like, no, a woman got a German accent.
1: And it was just an accent.
0: Yeah, and then it's like,
1: well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> I heard something different. Yeah, looking through, uh, trying to find interesting things that have happened following uh, TBIs. Um, <laughs> and I love how so many scientific journals and reports just use the biggest words possible to sound so smart. Um, This patient had a complete disruption of autobiographical detail. Yeah. So basically, everything that he knew about himself and his life became completely unfamiliar to him following his traumatic brain injury. So his wife, his children, even his dog, he was repulsed by this dog that he had loved so much. He did not want to have anything to do with his life. And immediately I'm thinking about the Talking Heads song. This is not my beautiful house. Yeah, This is not my beautiful wife. And how strange and awful that must be to wake up with that, but we were able to actually get a detailed report on a study of this specific case as he recovered there's a lot of information including how he acquired the traumatic brain injury okay so this is a juicy story it was talking about the patient and how he was in his early 40s married three children and it has all the information Thanks, National Library of Medicine, for writing all this down. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very, very detailed case study. Um, and I'm assuming, uh, based both on the spelling and the fact that they were able to do case study research lets me know that this was not conducted in America. This was, I think, a British thing. Oh, okay. First of all, research doesn't make money, which is why most of the times in the medical field, if there is wow. good medical research, it's coming from places other than the United States.
0: Yeah, like when you donate money for cancer research. <laughs> they they call it cancer research. They don't call it cancer cure.
1: Right, yeah. They wanna oh, figure we'll, out. We'll look into it. Yeah. Keep that money coming. Yeah, just keep it good. Come, come on. But when there's centralized healthcare, oh look, there is money for us to investigate into things like yeah. new medicines, new techniques, new all kinds of cool new stuff. Right now we're gonna talk about this patient who had the borrowed identity syndrome, also called Kagraw syndrome. Ooh. I did look up how to pronounce it because it looks like capgrass. That's Capgrass? Yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> and this is not a story about capgrass.
0: Well let's go on about this Tim McGraw syndrome.
1: Pretty much, this guy was the head of a gynecology department, so he's a prominent doctor sitting on a board, nice. got the wife, got the kids, mm. and he also has a lover on the side. Oh, so in- I mean,
0: yeah, a skilled gynecologist, you're going <laughs> to have telling you, your, uh, your pick.
1: It's basically like a dating service every day in oh, the yeah. office. It's,
0: it's in-person Tinder.
1: Oh, let me probe a little deeper yeah. on this. I don't
0: got to get to know anything about you, <laughs> whip it out, lady.
1: Spread them. I'm going in <laughs> and you already signed the paperwork in the lobby, so yeah. and you consented to this. This is a mutual thing that we're doing That's here.
0: something you never want to hear a gynecologist say is like, so what are you doing after this? Right. Like,
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> never, ever good things. That My favorite line
0: though, uh, from a movie of a gynecologist was, oh, you do look like your sister. <laughs> was that uh knocked up
1: okay oh
0: yeah it was bj novak too from uh he was the gynecologist
1: that's fantastic his nose would get into the snatch before oh yeah any of the instruments ever did
0: absolutely he's like a guy could smoke a cigarette in the rain
1: <laughs> okay so this patient with the tim McGraw syndrome hmm This case file is so detailed that it let us know what led him to acquire the injury. And in the first part, yeah, in the synopsis, they were a little genteel about it. The article says that he acquired the injury after a day of fighting with his wife. She confronted him about the lover, and mm. I guess somehow she already knew about it. Sure. But that night, he, the doctor, mm-hmm. was supposed to go to a party with the lover as his guest. Mm. But after fighting with his wife, he ended up taking his wife to the party. Okay. And on the way to the party is where he acquired the injury. The case study says... That he swerved to miss an oncoming car. Okay. And ended up hitting a tree.
0: With just him and his wife in the car.
1: Yes. Okay. Which I think that says so much right there. That he intentionally swerved and hit a tree. Was he trying to take them both out? Was he trying just to take himself out? Mm. Either way.
0: He did tell her he was going to take her out. (laughs) (laughs) And how does she find out about this lover? (laughs) Like, You can't be like... Uh, Every time you come home, you smell like pussy. He's like, I'm a fucking gynecologist.
1: (laughs) Either way. Throughout most of the article, the patient was studied about 11 years after his traumatic brain injury. Um, So after he hit the tree with his car, um, most of the impact was taken on his side of the vehicle, and the wife walked away pretty much unharmed. Okay. Okay. The patient was in a coma for a very long time. Now, there is a scale to test cognition when somebody is in such a traumatic state. It's called the Glasgow Coma Scale. Okay. And it's kind of the opposite of a golf game. The lower your score, that means the lower your functional capacity. Okay. So he was at a scale of three. So he was very, very low functioning. He remained in a coma for another 63 days and retained amnesia for about another 98 days. Wow. So this guy messed himself up for a long time. He had a lot of problems, including narcolepsy and nightmares. Mm. Um, He had a little bit of post-traumatic aphasia, meaning difficulty in speaking, a lot of drooping and lagging in the mouth muscles. He had problems naming regular objects, like a toothbrush and a hairbrush. Oh, wow. See if you can pronounce this word.
0: Uh, Anosognesia.
1: That's the ability to mix up the objects that are everyday normal things that we interact with on a daily basis. Oh, wow. Yeah, he also lost his ability to maintain control of his executive function, his inability to perform activities of daily living, also known as ADLs, and that's going to be your self-care stuff, dressing, feeding, okay, that sort of thing. Um, he suffered bouts of aggression and visuospatial disorientation.
0: I mean, the aggression I get if you're living with these people you don't know
1: (laughs) sure i would imagine that this whole time he's probably institutionalized
0: uh okay
1: because if he is not even able to brush his own teeth no hospital is going to say like you know take care of
0: oh sure if the
1: patient is not even able to care for himself on a very basic level they're not just going to cut him loose also if he is being aggressive and doesn't recognize his own family yeah. They're not gonna let him go. Yeah. He's been a good case study so far. Wow. <laughs> so another common thing um, associated with this disorder is oh, we talked about the autobiographical memory disturbance. The Tim McGraw syndrome.
0: Ka- Krav
1: Maga. <laughs> that is not it at all. It looks like Capgrass syndrome cap Capgras syndrome is when one person insists and thinks that their inner circle has been replaced by imposters. Oh, wow. So anytime that his wife would come visit him, his lover, he would not recognize them and just be, I guess, somewhat repulsed. Yeah. The one time that he did get to go home and talk to his dog, the dog immediately showed signs of aggression toward him.
0: He went home to see his dog and the dog is just like, I don't know this fucking <laughs> guy. And he's like, I don't fucking know you either. I hate you.
1: I would imagine something like that in dog language. Maybe he could all of a sudden speak dog. He was telepathic with the dog, and Maybe. they had this big bark-off in their brains. And I love how detailed some of these case studies are. They've transcribed some of the conversation that actually took place between the therapist and the patient. So today, in OKSO Case Study Theater, I will be playing the role of the therapist.
0: And I'll be playing the patient.
1: Are you pleased that your family came by to see you, aren't you?
0: Me? Of course not. I don't have a family. I don't know these people. My family was all killed in an accident.
1: And...
0: I don't know these people. They are body doubles. Doubles of my entire family, or I don't know.
1: So, clearly he's going into that uh, cagras syndrome, where he thinks that his family has been replaced. Mm, that's strange. Then, also, his extramarital lover came by. How are you feeling, darling? Come give me a kiss.
0: Don't kiss me. I don't know you.
1: After about an hour, the therapist came by and asked him about the visit. So, you've been visited by your girlfriend?
0: That hag is supposed to be my lover?
1: She's a beautiful woman, isn't she?
0: Perhaps I could consider that woman beautiful, yes. I would regard her as beautiful. She's about 40, isn't she? No girlfriend of mine could be so old. Besides, I never had a lover. (laughs) You have children.
1: (laughs) And it was pretty wild that he didn't even recognize her. So the study goes on to state that he continued to think for a little while about where he might have seen that woman before. If she was another patient and pretending to be his lover. If it was even possible that, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe they're feeding him misinformation, or maybe he is starting to recognize And that's the other thing that's tricky about study and studying their brains is you have to wonder, is this actually them remembering things or is this picking up on hints that we're giving them? Oh, okay. Are they only cooperating because we're telling them that this is their reality?
0: That is interesting for sure.
1: One of the funniest things, though, is I like that they even introduce the dog. So early on, he was saying that he didn't even have a dog. He didn't even remember the dog. But the family had recalled that before the accident, he was extremely close to the dog. He loved this dog so much. So the therapist asked, Is this your dog? And in the presence of his pet, a dachshund, began barking at him. Apparently, the dog does not exhibit positive feelings toward the patient.
0: Nothing of the kind. A lump of fur like that, I don't own a dog. I wouldn't want such a rubbishy thing. I'm afraid of this dog. It wants to bite me.
1: <laughs> Rubbishy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to latch
1: on that. <laughs> wow. I like that. Later on, he tended to indicate that his perception of himself was way younger than his actual age was. The therapist asked, Who
0: are you? Who am I? I don't know. Perhaps you could tell me.
1: You're a doctor. A gynecologist.
0: No. I'm too young to be a doctor.
1: How old are you?
0: Probably seven or eight years old. <laughs> wow. So he knocked himself back to his childhood.
1: Absolutely. He did some drawings, some therapeutic things that kind of let the doctors and the professionals know where his cognition was at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. It's definitely seven or eight. He's drawing, like, shitty-looking ladybugs <laughs> and, like, paper airplanes. Yeah. My inner self reminds me of a ladybug. It's obviously looking for something because she feels foggy and empty. Like me. Everything has to be searched for.
1: And I think that would suck. It would be like being on one of the worst drug trips or one of the worst highs you've ever had, and you just can't get out of it. Feeling so disconnected, so unconnected to anything at all, unfamiliar. It's got to be very isolating and very scary.
0: For sure. So free drugs. Just drive your car into a tree.
1: (laughs) Jostle around your electric meat a bit. Yeah. You get a whole new identity. Boom, bam.
0: Do it just enough to not die and be seven again. (laughs)
1: So, with ongoing rehabilitation, he didn't really seem to show major signs of improvement. Eventually, his children and his wife moved on without him as he continued to figure out who he was and where he belonged. It's more than a legend. It is unfortunately real for all kinds of people. So, yeah, yeah, he lived to tell about it, but his reality became something that's incredibly tragic and undesirable to experience.
0: Yeah, and you know with this story spun in the in a fun way can be another parallel universe story but this is just straight up medical facts and we kind of have the same conclusion so it's it's all interesting it's all possible
1: having had a traumatic medical experience myself i had an autoimmune disorder that had me hospitalized and um It was very difficult to have a fully conscious and aware mind, but a completely unresponsive body on the outside Mm. and have incredibly limited capabilities. So the whole time, I'm still in there thinking full and complete thoughts, just absolutely unable to get it out of there. Mm. So it makes me feel like I was stuck in this alternate dimension. And it makes me wonder when somebody has a traumatic brain injury like that, do they have the full and complete thoughts, and something just gets a little mixed up in the wiring and the execution of it coming out Ooh, of their mouth?
0: Yeah, that's that's scary to think of. It's like earlier I had sleep paralysis while Joe Dirt was on, <laughs> and I was I could see the entire movie in my sleep paralysis because I've seen it a hundred times. And uh, so
1: you and the movie are linked.
0: Yeah. And I I could see every scene. Some things were a little different. And I'm like, that's not right. Oh, I'm trying. I need to wake up. Mm -hmm. So sleep paralysis with a comedy movie is very weird. (laughs) I will say that. That's the first time I've never been like, I've been annoyed and I've been scared. I've never been like enjoying a movie Mm -hmm. in sleep paralysis.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool. So your sleep paralysis demon is a gator wrestler with a mullet. Yeah, That's hell kinda, yeah! It's kind of badass as hell.
0: Hey, life's a garden, you dig it.
1: <laughs> you gotta dig it. What am Dang! I gonna do, quit? <laughs> Dang. <laughs>
0: That's sweet.
1: You know, ultimately make the most of every situation and enjoy what you can. The life is a really crazy ride and it's ending quickly.
0: Do what you love and don't jump through portals.
1: Don't do that.
0: Yeah, you yeah. don't know where you'll end up. Don't Um, hit trees with cars.
1: Right. That will send you into said portal, and Mm -hmm. you don't want to find out what's on the other side.
0: Yeah, because some people just die.
1: Speaking of which, we have some great things coming up for you in the coming months. Ooh, we have yeah. spooky season upon us, and we're going to be telling some creepy pastas, as well as some local stories of legends, Ooh, lores, yeah. mummies, and more.
0: And we do have a special mid-October episode we're doing. I don't want to give it away, but it is sports related, and is going to be very fun. Oh, um, yeah. Other than that, if you guys have anything you want, um, you know, you have any questions, you have any articles, anything you want us to cover, send them over to oquesoproductions at gmail.com o-h-q-u-e-s-o productions at gmail.com We will read every single one of those and get back to you.
1: We love hearing from you.
0: There will be a poll on this episode. If you want to go down there and vote, we will be talking about it on the next episode of OK So. So weigh in, ABCD, pick one of those, and we will talk about it.
1: As always, we would love to hear from you, and we hope you tune in again next time.
0: Yes, and I'm going to smooch on you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. so. Oh baby
0: You got cheese all mm. over your mouth oh, Okay uh, uh, so oh. Oh, Okay so
1: And we got some great listener feedback Billis The fans want to hear you Pronounce medical words
0: Oh cool
1: Yeah so I have for you This word Oh, Okay Have you seen this word before? No What What does that word say?
0: Synesthesia.
1: Hey, that actually sounds pretty close.
0: Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Why why did I have the dumbest list? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Is that right?
1: Synesthesia.
0: Synesthesia. Yeah. Yeah, I did it.
1: You did a good, say a word. Yeah,
0: fuck you, Ho- Matt Brown.
1: Hooray for you. <laughs> I can
0: do big words.
1: So what do you think synesthesia means?
0: Um, I'm going to say it's a synthetic amnesia.
1: Hmm. Well, if that wasn't wrong, it would be a good guess. Shit. <laughs> It's whenever your senses get mixed up. So, like, tasting colors and hearing smells.
0: (laughs) I fell asleep in a satellite dish one time, woke up the ability to smell colors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Purple's my favorite one. (laughs)
0: It really is. Everything purple is great. Bye. Bye.